Welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast. We're here to grow in faith, connect in community, and serve the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy. When I tell you that it had been a stressful few days for Jesus and his crew, within the recent past of today's portion of the gospel, a number of events had taken place. First, Jesus went back home to visit his mama. But Nazareth was a bitty town, and Jesus had grown up there, and perhaps word had gotten around about Jesus' slightly scandalous start in life, or maybe they just knew him too well, and couldn't envision the boy they saw growing up being more than just the Jesus they knew. Either way, Jesus' hometown rejected his ministry, The text tells us that they took offense at him. Then we're up to last week's lesson when Jesus found out his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded. If you'll recall on hearing this news, Jesus withdrew to a deserted place to grieve. Instead of getting time alone, approximately 10,000 of his closest friends simply followed him out there. So he healed and fed them. And immediately after they're done feeding the crowd, after they've collected the 12 baskets of extra food, Jesus puts the disciples in a boat and sends the crowds home, and then he goes to a mountain to pray by himself. The backstory is important. Jesus was under a lot of stress. Jesus was grieving. The demands on him were enormous, and the political atmosphere surrounding him was charged. The Pharisees, were told just before these passages, were already plotting to kill Jesus. King Herod had just killed his cousin. The danger followed his disciples, too. They felt the pressure of his ministry. They knew that John the Baptist's fate spelled more danger for them if killing prophets was in King Herod's scope then what would happen to their rabbi, who claimed to be the Messiah, to them who followed him? Beyond that, they were busy, very busy, helping accomplish Jesus' work in the world and learning from this man with revolutionary ideas. While I have no doubt that there was a lot of joy in their lives with Jesus, they must have been stressed and simply exhausted at times. All of this to point out, they were in the midst of more than one kind of storm when Jesus walked on water. And one of those was a literal storm, causing dangerous winds and waves. Jesus walked into the midst of it and called to Peter not to run from the storm, not to batten down the hatches and ride the storm out, but to move toward Jesus during it. He calls us to do the same when storms come our way. And the storms do come. We lose a job. We don't get a miracle. A relationship is shattered. Storms come in many different forms in our lives. When they do, we might think to ourselves, we're doing it wrong. I mean, we are certainly quite capable of producing massive amounts of trouble for ourselves and for others. So certainly, we could cause some storms in our lives. And when that happens, we need to confess 
and ask forgiveness and try again. But sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we're in the midst of a, midst of a storm because life is full of storms. Chaos and difficult times and uncertainty are all part of the game. St. Paul writes in Romans that all of creation is subject to decay because of sin. Sin disorders the entire world. And because that is true, some of the storms in our lives are specifically because we follow Jesus in a world that often doesn't recognize him. I'm not talking about car accidents or cancer diagnosis or the death of a loved one. I don't think those things happen because we follow Jesus. I couldn't sort out how all of that works with God's plans if I kept you here till Christmas. Some storms are because God's will doesn't always happen here on earth as it does in heaven, and that is really the only explanation we get for now. But sometimes... Jesus does send us right on into the storm, a bit like he sent those disciples out on the lake. We know this to be true deep down, right? We know that proclaiming the gospel is terrifyingly dangerous lots of times, and rather unpopular many other times. We know that loving others as God loves us will at times exhaust us, stress us out, break our hearts. We've seen it throughout history. It was in our first lesson with Elijah, trying to figure out how not to be killed like the other prophets were. Without a doubt, Jesus was telling Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to be a leader in the civil rights movement. We know that God definitely called Martin Luther to post the 95 Theses. In all three instances, their faithfulness led to some enormous storms for them. And there are countless other examples besides. It doesn't have to be that big, though. It is as simple as doing the really hard but really loving, grace-filled things, like being generous when bills are still due, forgiving someone who has hurt you deeply, seeing God's possibility of new life when a situation really seems hopeless. It's living and loving like Jesus day in and day out. We know this is what following Jesus involves, but we forget. Or we try to convince ourselves that following Jesus is generally pretty easy and doesn't demand much of us. Then when storms come, we panic. We think we're not supposed to be there. This is not how things should work out, and we get scared. Failure seems as certain as if we tried to walk on water. And Jesus seems so surreal in those moments He may as well be a ghost. But you know what? Jesus is walking on over in the midst of all that chaos and turmoil. God's got this. No matter what, always and forever, all those things that seem so scary, correction, actually are so scary, they cannot keep Christ away from us. Jesus will always be there. And Jesus still encourages us to take heart. He's there. Do not be afraid. Fun fact, it is I that Jesus tells the disciples actually translates I am, the answer that God gives Moses when Moses asks for God's name. 
Jesus wasn't just saying, hey guys, it's me, no worries. He was saying he is God. He's using the divine name God gave Moses so many years before. Jesus' presence and God's presence are one and the same. And the God who tamed the waters and who can walk on them in the middle of a storm is telling us not to be afraid. Not because there's nothing frightening, but because Jesus is in the midst of it, reaching out and catching us when we're overwhelmed and start to sink. Jesus walks right into the middle of the pain. Jesus is right there in the brokenness. Jesus shows up in the grief, in the stress, in the fear, in the rage. When the waves are threatening to drown us, Jesus shows up. When the wind is disorienting us, Jesus stands tall in the midst of it. When all the ways we used to feel safe are failing us, when our boat is being tossed about and taking on water, Jesus calls to us, don't be afraid. And he tells us to step out of the boat. The storm was still raging, but Peter stepped out. And for a brief moment, he did the impossible. When Peter began to sink, I wonder if maybe Jesus wasn't saying, you of little faith. Not so much because of Peter's lack of faith in Jesus, specifically, though that could be it. But because of Peter's lack of faith in what Jesus could do through Peter. Peter seemed to realize that Jesus was capable of walking on water because Jesus was standing right in front of him walking on water. But maybe Peter had trouble believing that Jesus would give Peter the power to walk on water. Not exactly faith in ourselves, but faith that Jesus really does think that we are work, worth working with and through. So what would happen if we remembered that too? That Jesus is there and does some amazing work during the storms in our lives, and that he does that work with each and every one of us as active participants. Jesus is telling Peter, you've got this. He's telling us that too. You got this. Or perhaps more accurately, Jesus is saying, I've got this. And I've got you too. We don't have to hope that if we have enough faith, Jesus will give us the ability to walk on water. We can trust that Jesus gives us the ability to walk on water and catches us when our faith falters. We're going to doubt and start to sink sometimes because life is hard and trusting God can be challenging. When life gets hard, we can doubt. We can wonder if love really does win. We can grieve. We can question how God is working in all of this because it's certainly not evident in that moment. We can admit that forgiveness and mercy and kindness feel like the exact wrong things sometimes. Jesus is still going to be there. Jesus is still going to be the strength we need till the storm subsides, and well past that, actually. Jesus will always, always catch us, which gives us the courage to step out of the boat, day after day, storm after storm, what feels as scary as trying to walk on water in the middle of a storm? Forgiving someone? Being generous in some way? Being vulnerable enough to admit doubts 
or faults to someone else, telling someone about Christ, or maybe just trying to trust that God will make all things new in the end, and that good will come out of even this storm, believing that Jesus really does work through us. Jesus knows it's terrifying, and he does rebuke Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But I suspect there was a gentleness in it. I don't imagine Jesus was angry or even particularly disappointed, but was even as he lifted Peter up out of the water, reminding Peter of what greater things can happen when we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. The storms will still come. Sometimes we will be courageous and step towards Jesus during them. Sometimes we'll doubt and start sinking. Jesus will be there regardless, catching us and getting us through the storm. Amen.